We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And I'm joined, as always, by Sean Siegel here on the podcast. Sean. We are looking forward to another full week of shows, and we did mention it last week on the podcast, but we do have a Scott Fishbowl entry to give away to one lucky listener. The information on how to enter that will be in the show notes for today's show, so do not miss out. Friday is the last day to enter for that, so you know the sooner you do it, obviously, the better, so you don't forget, but one Scott Fishbowl entry to give away. Thanks to Scott for giving us the opportunity to give that away. I just finished up a live stream of Rich Rebar and Zachary Kruger over on the Road of His YouTube channel. You can check that out. A very unique team that we drafted for uh, myself and, and Zach's rosters generally, but over have a look. It was a, a fun conversation. Really enjoyed talking to Rich. But Sean, we are going to have a really fun show today. I've been asking you for a couple of weeks about the Dream RB or the Dream Zero RB team in 2022. And today we are going to talk about it. You had a piece up on the site over the last couple of days before we do get into that how are you doing today good we had such a fun time doing that spike week royal rumble show uh ben gretch and myself for ceiling bananas did a couple of shows on that which have come out and you can look at that team obviously drafting against those guys was a lot of fun we'll have our normal ceiling bananas again on friday looking at the nfc But Colm, we've received some pushback on some of these teams and some of the rhetoric wanting more zero RB, and today we're going to deliver. Yeah, you can never have too much zero RB. I think that's the the key consensus. And even at the end of the article, Sean, that we're going to talk about today, you did mention, is 2022 the year that zero RB finally goes mainstream? I think we'll be... We'll be fine. We'll probably still be in the, the contrarian side of things here as we draft these teams. But you did quote in the article how to build a zero RB dream team for the underdog tournaments. Obviously, underdog ADP being used here, but you could cross-reference this to the other tournaments as well, particularly the FFPC. But the dream build is something that we always hope to get. And you talk about when we finish these teams, you want to look at the team and really like it. And you told me before we started recording, you got the sixth slot in this draft. You got to draft and then you were like, this is 
one of my favorite teams that I've drafted this year particularly. So how good does it feel for us before we even met? We won't mention the players yet. How good does it feel to hit that zero RB dream team? It feels good. It feels good. We've talked a lot about how in 2022, it's a little bit more difficult to build the perfect zero RB team. We've discussed how, and and on the NFL 10 of death show, look specifically at how drafters are taking a slightly different approach, not selecting as many running backs in the dead zone. That's making the wide receiver values a little bit more questionable at the same time that a lot of quarterback situations and wide receiver depth charts are making that usual sort of golden tier for wide receivers, not as appealing, but there are still ways to navigate it. There are still ways to have that elite tight end in there had a pretty zero RB ish look in the MFL 10 of death, even though it did select a couple of running backs in the dead zone that just looked like such incredible values. That's something that we don't normally do. It's something that hasn't historically worked that well. But again, if you're getting values at running back in rounds of four and five, that you should be second round values. I mean, you're not going to say, well, I'm getting a three round discount, so I'm not going to select them, <laughs> right? I mean, that wouldn't make any sense. We do want our player evaluation also to factor in. Now, not to get to the point where we're so confident in our picks that we have incredibly high exposure to some builds that haven't historically worked. We do want to mix in those guys. One of the things that's happened a lot this season is that I've had the good fortune of having early picks and had a lot of chances to grab Jonathan Taylor, to grab Christian McCaffrey. That's obviously something you can't complain about. And then as you wrap back around, there is that sort of A.J. Brown, T. Higgins start kind of at the 2-3 with those elite guys that probably is the ideal start. Although one of the things that Michael Dunmer has talked about is that those guys will be matched up with Taylor and McCaffrey a lot. You're not necessarily going to be as differentiated through your first three picks. Now, I mean, there's a ton you can do later on in the draft. So you do want to take the best guys. You're not going to have people duplicate you with all of those picks remaining, especially if you know you're going to do some contrarian types of things. But there also have been some opportunities to take running backs either at that point or at the 4-5 end up with this hyper fragile or modified hyper fragile approach where you have three in the first five rounds and then go very wide receiver heavy the whole rest of the way by contrast you get into some of these other picks and i mean the wide receiver value isn't there so we're looking for some drafts where the wide receiver value isn't there and kind of looking at how adp solidifies now to really hone in on the players who do offer great value in those rounds and especially when they fall then we're in great shape. One of the things that was ideal about the MFL 10 of death was that my player targets actually dropped a little bit below ADP. And that's obviously the perfect scenario. Again, in this draft that we're about to go through, I had a little bit of that good fortune. Now you're not going to have that happen every time, but this is how we want to try and construct teams to have the ultimate zero RB build or the zero RB dream team in some of these tournaments where your team's going to be very, very good. If you want to finish in the top handful of spots. Yeah, definitely. And something you keep mentioning is the the good fortune. Um, I've had a lot of uh, early starts as well in my drafts this year. So I think it's just as long as you're not in a team with Ben Gretsch, you get those early slots. I think that's the, the correlation there. But you mentioned your six pre-draft objectives was to go full zero RB with your draft build, execute a final build with good running back wide receiver balance, draft the elite tight end that we want to get. You want to get two quarterbacks in the window, look at those ADP values and, and try and emphasize on, on those. You mentioned some of the guys fall that we're going to touch on 
uh, in just a moment and then load up on the priority ranking or targets your priority targets in the site rankings and you know i always find that interesting in terms of you mentioned some of the guys falling to you at adp but your adp or your rankings and sometimes will have those like well ahead of adp how are you finding that this year as you know the rankings you have on the website versus adp and where that is overall in the marketplace now my rankings are always way off from adp i'm sure there are other rankers out there who are equally far off but i'm pretty aggressive in terms of how i rank players one of the things with that one of the things that i encourage listeners and definitely site users who are drafting off my rankings one thing I encourage them to do is to make sure they also do understand ADP and try and get these kind of double values as opposed to just purely drafting off the rankings and not thinking about where you might be able to get even more of the guys. And that's sort of a natural way to diversify your portfolio as well. Instead of to take the highest guys in my rankings and draft them in every draft, because there are going to be some guys who are enough higher that you could basically get them every time. We want to kind of go through we want to show some humility we want to try and see how good a value we can also get on them and even if we occasionally give up some guys who are who look like incredible values based on my rankings instead of always having that player but also drafting them you know closer to my rankings where then you've given up a lot of the actual value right if i'm ranking it accurately and i may not be that's the other thing that you have to have some humility about but if you're drafting it close to the ranking, then you know, you've given up the value. So we're trying to get them back closer to ADP and ideally beyond ADP and to mix those guys within the team. So that's one of the reasons why I've kind of mentioned on several podcasts recently that when I draft, I'm not necessarily drafting off of my rankings. I'm trying to find the guys in a given round who I do have ranked above ADP that I can get below ADP in that draft. And so that approach has been very effective in getting teams with you and I, with me and Ben, uh, the teams drafted with Blair, teams drafted with Curtis, teams drafted with other folks like Connor O'Driscoll and Michael Dubner to where the teams are littered with our players, but at very good values as well. And they're just so many different, obviously, extra benefits to that that's going to be a big emphasis as we go through these drafts and then occasionally you'll get into this spot where you're looking at the board and the top four or five adp values are guys that you just have ranked really multiple rounds below adp and so the fact that they're like five spots below adp here you know if you've got them another two rounds later there's an argument even to take them occasionally and mix them in at those prices. I tend not to do that. That's when I'll go ahead and reach. And if you've gotten good values the rest of the way, mixing in a few reaches isn't going to kill you. It's going to kind of balance out where you are. One of the things that was kind of interesting, and I don't necessarily put a lot of weight on this because construction is extremely important and drafting players with just asymmetrical upside all the way through your draft, having the right types of exposures at the player level those are the two things that are crucial we've talked a lot about how throughout the years these rate my team apps will give zero rb teams in particular will give them very bad grades and you're like you know i know that's not how this league is going to actually play out this is the dominant team and so it should be rated near the top if not the top i mean you don't have the top team in every draft you don't win every league <laughs> obviously but 
the evaluation there is incorrect. One of the things I did think was interesting, kind of going purely off of the ADP, that when I went back in, I click on it from time to time just for some chuckles. Usually they they have some funny sort of autofill types of things, almost mad libs in terms of, of how they put it. But the the NFL recap had Mike Beers at number one and me at number two in terms of the ADP values we've gotten within the draft, which uh, that's kind of interesting within the context of the fact that mostly we're trying to do is hit the construction that the RCEs tell us will give us dominant teams, the research that the writers on the site have done, and then hit our particular player targets to have been in a position. And Mike and I, again, it's not like we didn't have some good luck. We got some good spots to be able to do what we wanted to do. Sometimes when you get a good draft slot, it's much easier to execute your strategy because you're not put in a position where you have to reach. But for us to have gotten good ADP values within the context of those other things, again, that doesn't mean that we're going to win. I mean, it's still going to be pretty balanced, but that's an interesting extra thing to put in there where if you get some good values on the players as well, it's just one more thing you can put kind of in your holster in terms of everything that you're doing to try to maximize your chances to win leagues as leagues obviously are always getting more competitive yeah definitely uh, the one thing then to look into is the players you drafted people are going to want to know who are the guys on this perfect roster so opening up the draft you are in spot six and in this draft it did go jonathan taylor christian mccaffrey then cup jefferson and then travis kelsey went at five so even at that point there is times when you're at that sixth spot that you know chase cup and jefferson are all gone maybe Diggs becomes the option then but in this situation you had jamar chase as your option and i think that's a very straightforward pick at that point wraps into the second round you get debo samuel who we've drafted a good few times together then wraps back around to get that elite tight end and kyle pitts in the third which that is right in his wheelhouse of where he's going mid third round sometimes early third round but doesn't really fall much past that and then in the fourth round you have Deontay Johnson so you're starting off with Chase Samuel Pitts and Deontay Johnson how are you feeling after those first four picks and is there any specific ones in those first four that you, you want to highlight for any specific reason well when you have the 106 you're just desperately hoping that one of the drafters ahead of you will take someone from outside the normal top five and i got lucky in this one kelsey does go early that's not to say kelsey will be a bad pick if he has the type of season that he often has he could be the league winner he could be the tournament winner but to have chase fall here is the complete dream scenario i wouldn't be surprised at all if he's the 2023 101 to get him here and then with a pretty substantial tier break after that point again you could see some players like derrick henry or austin eckler be the league winner from 2022 but there is a tier break there you get very lucky that puts you in good position then the rest of the way because these middle picks give you a lot of flexibility to hit adp values as they fall and to build your construction the way that you want and so Debo samuel comes there in round two there are some potential red flags with him we're drafting on the talent and the scenario where that works out just a lot more upside than some of their players a lot more talent even than someone like Tyreek Hill who goes to the next slot Kyle Pitts you mentioned I've been missing on Pitts because of the draft slot that I had and because there were some backs like Saquon Barkley and Javante Williams who 
sometimes fall into that range. Now, Javante was still on the board here, but I've kind of moved back in the direction of trying to get as much pits as possible. I think that that is going to be one of the draft selections that really dictates, again, this 2022 season. There are some concerns at the quarterback position there. Already some whispers that Desmond Ritter will be making a start sooner than later. When you consider the fact that a lot of people were not on him as someone who really is an NFL starter, then that gives you a little bit of concern, perhaps. But, I mean, the upside for him to be a 1,400-yard, 12-touchdown player and just absolutely annihilate the rest of the guys who are kind of in that range. Again, we're talking about how do we draft players who could be in the top five picks next year? Kyle Pitts could be in the top five picks next year. He could be going where Travis Kelsey went in this draft at the 105. I think his chances to outscore Kelsey this year are really pretty close. I wouldn't say even, but he's someone we're going to prioritize. And then Deontay Johnson was selected to the 2-3 turn of the MFL 10 of death. We talked about that in that article and on the show. The pluses and minuses for him, I think if Trubisky starts instead of Pickett, then that sort of raises his floor, especially in the early going Deontay Johnson, probably a value there in round four. His target profile much better than a lot of the wide receivers selected ahead of him. Yeah, I think all very, very good points there. And I think Pitts was somebody who we drafted on that stream with Rich Rebar. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot from his season last year if he adds in those touchdowns to just make him an absolute, he already is a superstar, but a, a true difference maker when it comes to these early round and elite tight end options. Rounds five through eight, then we move in. We get Rashad Bateman. We get, I just, I'm looking forward to hearing you talk about Bateman. I, I'm really <laughs> starting to fall in love with Bateman for this season. I'm on Ross and Brown, who finished the season very strong, had a really good year for the, the Lions overall last year. And then you do take that first running back, and I'm going to let you reveal that when it gets to your portion. Then we move into a quarterback who we've really liked picking up this year, and we've talked about a lot in the podcast. That is trey lance i think his rushing ability you paired him then as well with debo samuel who you took earlier in the draft i'm interested as well to get your thoughts for these tournaments in particular about the stacking and also potentially mixing in those week 17 scenarios how much weight you're putting into those this year so i'll let you go through that but i'll let you reveal the running back as well well you mentioned rashad bateman and there are some things some ways those wouldn't work out but i do like him as a little bit of an arbitrage play and using that term obviously very loosely but play on mark andrews who is going earlier andrews we absolutely love the talent i'm not suggesting people not select him but if the ravens do become much more run heavy again and the target volume is way down overall then I think we need to look at some less expensive ways to play it now you say well rashad bateman is an unproven wide receiver in the fifth round how is that inexpensive and yet again we're, we're really trying to find some wide receiver plays that will work the guys around him here are chris godwin who i mean you're going to get late season production hopefully and i mean there's the best case scenario where godwin performs right about we just don't know how these players are going to recover as people recover faster and faster but it's tricky to select someone who suffered a serious injury at the very end of last season here in round five Juju Smith-Schuster, a lot of upside, a lot of downside. Amari Cooper, 
I'm surprised that Cooper hasn't fallen more with the news coming out around Deshaun Watson. Someone like David Bell is falling. And yeah, I mean, you could say that these guys who aren't proven the peripheral receivers, maybe not having elite quarterback play hurts them more, but Cooper was already a questionable pick in this range to start with. And now it looks like he may have very poor quarterback play. Then you have Darnell Mooney and Mooney is someone that, connor and i selected in the underdog draft that we currently have going on mooney is one of these guys where i probably should be selecting him more i like that one laura shaw bateman jumps out as being the number one in one of these second year players where you're talking about the second year leap how can you get the second year leap without paying or overpaying for it well you need to take someone who was not actually awesome as a rookie but who had a fantastic prospect profile and is now in a situation where they have huge target volume with tar target share. Now, we don't know how large the pie is going to be, but his target share is going to be huge, and he's going to be catching passes from Lamar Jackson. We know Jackson can push the ball down the field. We know that they can score quickly and score a lot. So I think that's a risk that you have to take. Then we're looking at two more guys here with this second-year leap potential, Amon Ra versus Elijah Moore. I flipped on them a little bit in part because Garrett Wilson gives you a cheaper way to play the Jets. Also because Amon Ra has established this strong rapport with Jared Goff, where only one of Elijah Moore's big games came with Zach Wilson. I still think that Elijah Moore is the better prospect, probably has the bigger long-term future. Amon Ra is going to have a little bit more overall target competition down the line, but we don't know for sure yet what Jamison Williams is going to be able to do this year either. He's in that Chris Godwin category where those guys probably only contribute at the very end. So we take Amon Ra. He's one of these guys too, where if you do have some interest in Jerry Goff, very easy to put those guys together. Then column, we come to the running back. And the running back is the controversial choice here, right? But we get into round seven. We talk about going sort of hardcore or pure zero RB in some of the redraft types of formats. That will work really well. Blair and I had a team where we drafted our first running back in round 11 in the 2020 ffpc main event that team finished 31st overall the roster construction explorers do like you not to wait too long for your first running back in best ball in part because we're going to just be working with this one group of guys and so that you want a little bit of exposure to some backs who maybe have the scoring profile that you're starting to see here now one of the things that's so fun about 2022 is that maybe it's a little bit more difficult to find the wide receiver value but the running back value now, when you're looking at guys in round seven, like Antonio Gibson, A.J. Dillon, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Ken Walker, you know, those are names you wouldn't necessarily expect. Now, A.J. Dillon, a backup, I think that one you can kind of understand. Edwards-Alaire, even since this draft happened in the middle of last week, I feel like has lost a lot of value. Jarrett McKinnon, just horrible for him. But Gibson's someone who, yeah, he's potentially going to lose some high-value touches to jd mckissick he hasn't really thrived as this receiver despite the fact that he played some in college one of the things you have to consider with gibson is one of the reasons that he moved from receiver to running back is that the receiving element was not wide receiver quality right so that part i, I mean i think that in some ways the fantasy community has maybe look been looking at that in the reverse of of what is actually the case and that's not to say that antonio gibson is a bad receiver or that we shouldn't be encouraged by the fact that he does have some element of that in his profile. But the main thing with Gibson is he is this fantastic athlete. We know he scored a lot of touchdowns. 
He's dropped really late here because that Brian Robinson selection then threatens to squeeze him from the other side. And I think you have to have your eyes wide open when you select him and know that there are some serious downside risks. I also am a skeptic about the Washington offense with Carson Wentz. It was pretty funny. I don't know if it came out yesterday, the day before, if that's just when I was seeing it, but some quotes out of Indianapolis talking about how like Matt Ryan is the greatest quarterback of all time. And you know that that kind of reaction is occurring because of the extreme frustration that they had with Carson Wentz last year. And so the contrast for them is making them feel like Matt Ryan is peak Peyton Manning. This Washington offense is probably not going to be elite, but Antonio Gibson, when you're talking about round seven and the fact that he is still the starter and will still receive some high value touches. And you look at him there. One of the things we talk about with a selection like Nick Chubb and say, okay, well, Nick Chubb is one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the NFL. And if Kareem Hunt were to get hurt, then not only is he a good second or third round pick, but he's a good pick like in the top five, six spots. But we've seen that kind of play out to where even in that case, someone like Ernest Johnson has played more than we would want. You can make that bet a little bit better in round seven because you're not paying nearly as much. Now, Antonio Gibson, not the same type of player, but again, a fantastic athlete. And if they lose one of these guys behind him, then it's very easy for him then to slide into this type of role to where you would feel very comfortable taking him in the third round or seeing him as a third round value or even a second round value. Obviously, he's been drafted in that range recently because that was the hope. And so I think that you want to have a little bit of the post-hype buying on someone who, number one, is a fantastic athlete, and number two, is still in this position to get a lot of touches. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Moving into rounds 9 and 12, and a question I'm going to have for you at the end of this is that Antonio Gibson pick after you ended up getting some of our absolute favorite players at the running back position over the, the next kind of five or six rounds. Would you change that in hindsight? We'll leave that to the end. We f- go in, then we have Devin Singletary, who 
I think is is my favorite running back pick in those zero RB builds at the moment. Then we get Chase Edmonds, Isaiah Spiller, who if anything does happen to Ezekiel Elliott, the upside of a tree down back there is just enormous. Uh, and then you do pair that off with Justin Fields, Chicago Bears quarterback. So really nice stretch there. A key stretch for those zero RB builds is that you know nine through twelve range. And I think you've really paired it off very, very nicely there. Yeah. So Tom Singletary, I just I'm surprised he's not going earlier, even though I understand why there would be enthusiasm for James Cook. Now, Cook, there were a lot of red flags on his prospect profile. He's one of these smaller guys, usually in fantasy, that tends to get faded as opposed to targeted, but he is very fast. He can create the big plays. That's a good fit for the Baltimore for the Buffalo offense. I like that element of it. I think if you miss on Singletary, you want to get some exposure to Cook. I'd be a little bit less expensive than where he's going in drafts. But Singletary with the hot finish, I mean, you're talking about the guy who had the best combination of playoff, semifinal, and finals advance rates last season. The best combination of those three. He's the only back in football with an evasion rate above 20% in each of the last two years. I think people are wrong on Singletary's talent. And I think that they are not pricing the potential for him to have a very valuable workload quite accurately that's not to say that i think that i'm right and everybody else is wrong because it could easily work out that the offense goes right back to where it was the first you know 10 11 12 weeks where he's not very involved you're like i mean this guy is a cut candidate not not just someone that we're not starting or not wanting to draft but someone we might cut to waivers that potential is there and so i understand why he's falling i think the price for me is still very favorable to pick someone up who i think is more talented than perception indicates then you go to Chase Edmonds, and this is one of these really complicated and congested backfields. Ben and I talked about this quite a bit on our AFC breakdown of the toughest teams to project in the AFC. If you want a little bit more uh, detail on kind of how we're looking at that, you can jump over to that episode. But I did think it was interesting that there are only four backs last year that have a higher route percentage than Chase Edmonds and also generated more yards per route. Obviously, DeAndre Swift, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, and Leonard Fournette are all going very early. Chase Edmonds, a massive discount on those guys. Obviously, that's not the only reason those players are being drafted that high. They scored a lot more points, and the points is what we're going for when we're drafting. So it makes sense that Edmonds is in this range, but he's also one of these guys. He was he tied for the lead in yards before contact per attempt last year. That's something that I've had really good success targeting throughout the years on zero RB bills going back to 2000 and you know 13 ish it wasn't an explicit focus before that but definitely the backside targeted from 2008 to 2013 when I was building up all of the sort of foundation for how well this works and having such great success with it in drafts you know back there before it was something that was really out not to say people weren't drafting teams like that but there was something that wasn't talked about in the same way these types of players have been very effective. Blair Andrews has done some great research showing that the yards before contact are not priced at the same way as the yards after contact in terms of efficiency, right? So the yards after contact, people are paying a lot for the yards before contact. They're not paying as much as they should. Something to consider. Isaiah Spiller, again, we go back to Blair. One of his recent wrong reads talks about why Spiller fits a key criterion for explosive upside. I think after you've looked at that, not that you weren't targeting Spiller anyway, he's been someone who's been a mild target for us. I think when he falls into the right spot, 
but his contingency-based upside, absolutely huge. Some of the things that came out during draft process would indicate that Spiller is not an elite talent. He's probably not going to be a long-term starter. But if you're talking about stretches of effectiveness within the context of an elite offense, I mean, if there's any place in the entire NFL that Isaiah Spiller could have gone, the Los Angeles Chargers are probably number one. Defenses are going to have to deal with Justin Herbert. He's a perfect fit for what they do. Could get a lot of high value touches. And then Justin Fields, we talked, we've been, we consistently talk about, you know, two QBs in the window. We talked about how that window is moving up and now looks to be kind of closing out in the round 10 range. But again, in terms of this being the zero RB dream draft, you look at the specific rankings for QBs and where that kind of fits within the window and ADP people moving around a little bit. Justin Fields is the last guy who was in the window. So if you can get him again in round 12 instead of round 10, something like that, if you can get him after Tua and after Cousins, and, and those guys are going above him on average, they don't go above him in every draft. But if you can get him right there and have a couple of hybrid quarterbacks, that doesn't mean it's going to work out, but it gives you more paths to these high scores than for a pass-based QB. Maybe you say the pass-based QB has a better floor because we've already established that they're good. And so, you know, that makes some sense too. It's not something we've necessarily established with Tua, but he has those elite weapons. But that's the idea with fields as fields, lands. You have multiple paths for each guy and then multiple guys where the upside could be significant with the rushing value we expect them to bring to the table. And then into those late rounds, I'm just going to run through the players. I might give you to pick one or two of them, but we have Cole Komet at tight end, Kenneth Gainwell, Wendell Robinson, Noah Fant. We'll never be able to get off the Noah Fant train, Sean, will we? Uh, and then we have uh, Brian Robinson and Julio Jones. So very nice finish to that draft as well, and what you call the perfect zero RB draft build for 2022. But any of those guys you want to highlight, maybe that we haven't talked that much about this season, and then we'll get into those follow-up questions that I, I teased earlier on. Well, a little bit the same way that Mooney is actually someone who played well last year and now has this very large volume opportunity. Komet didn't necessarily establish himself in the same way, but he's one of these emerging types of players. If he plays even moderately well, he's going to be an absolute smash at the tight end position. You get him there with fields, and you can kind of play that matchup in week 17 with Detroit, which we have Amon Ross St. Brown on this roster. I really like that play. I think he should be more expensive Gainwell, we've talked about a lot. Wondell Robinson, we've talked a lot about. Noah Fant, I wasn't necessarily looking for the three tight ends in this build because of Kyle Pitts early, but I think that Fant is so inexpensive compared to where he should be that you have to occasionally add him here late when he falls to you then even below his ADP that's also that's already a, a crazy value. Noah Fant, yeah, I mean, he's in a horrible situation, but he's been in these bad situations before. Maybe it's just that you and I have very good feelings about him because he was a big part of our week 17 push last year in the FFPC best ball tournament where he scores that late touchdown to really elevate us another couple of spots. But no fan, a great value at the price if they were to add Garoppolo or Mayfield, then suddenly you're talking about a player who should be drafted like six rounds earlier. So I think that you have to move a little bit of that. in. one of the things we do see with the RCE is that these three tight end builds, 
it kind of looks like it's going to be a situation where the three tight end helps you with playoff advance, having the elite tight end, and then having some extra shots late at the other positions, maybe help you with semifinal advance. We'll see how that develops. I think that in this case, you have to be aware of the fact that when you go away from the RCE to take values that are this extreme, when you're betting on a player, I mean, every other player in that round to me looks like a pure flyer. And if you're getting a guy who is a far above average player at his position in the NFL and is a starter and you're drafting them against flyers, then I, I think you have to make that play. No, I, I would agree there as well. When we get back then to the questions that I teased at the start, it was firstly the running back one where you've really ended up with a, a strong core of, I guess we'll say our ideal zero RB targets. We've talked about Gainwell, Isaiah Speller, you touched on today, Chase Edmonds, Devin Singletary. You did do the the detour to Antonio Gibson. In hindsight, knowing the running backs you got, do you still think you would go in there and get Antonio Gibson at that point? I think so. I mean, ideally, you would get someone even better, even more exciting. I had the chance to take Edwards Alaire. I'm glad I didn't go that route with the news that came out right afterward. Ken Walker, perhaps gives you more upside with the Seahawks. You want to take a shot at these elite rookies early before they get so expensive that you're drafting them in positions where they can't really beat whatever their ADP is at that point. But he is going to be dealing with Rashad Penny. We think it could be a worse backfield situation than with Washington. And then there's a little bit of a tear break and wait, and you're able to get the rest of those guys anyway. One of the things that we do want to make sure we do in these zero RB teams is to select good running backs. I think that's one of the sort of misconceptions with zero RB is that you don't care about the position at all or that you're willing to go through and not get good players. One of the things that we just have to look at from last year and how that played out is that drafters who selected James Conner and Leonard Fournette, they were not just getting filler types of guys. They were getting full-blown bell cow league winners the drafters who selected Cordero Patterson very late got something close to that for the vast majority of the year. And then drafters who selected players like Rashad Penny and Devin Singletary. I mean, again, you're getting elite play, not just filler types of performances. We had a show recently column on the zero RB mistakes or zero RB don'ts. And one of the things that maybe we didn't even attack enough or emphasize enough in that show is that you want to draft good running backs. You want to draft guys who you believe are going to go out there and be stars. It's not a thing of, okay, well, we're going to be content with, or we're going to sort of resign ourselves to the fact that we're not going to get running back scoring. That's not the case. And we're still going after these big running back scores. And there are some specific profiles you need to attack to make sure you do that. The other question to follow up on then was the week 17 element of these tournaments. Um, you have some nice correlations in this. You have the stacks in it as well. I mentioned earlier the Debo and Trey Lance stack that you have in this here roster. And then there is some correlations as well with week 17. So how much emphasis are you putting into both stacking this year and that week 17 element or the I guess the playoff run in general for these teams? For me, I think the puzzle is that we want to target situations where those stacks are not costing us extra where we like those players in a vacuum where we think that they are going to help us 
first and foremost with playoff advance. You can approach it from the perspective of, okay, I'm going to draft well. I'm going to get a, a lot of teams sort of into the playoffs, and a few of those teams will make Week 17, and then I need to have the best Week 17 team. So instead of finishing last out of the group of teams that make it, I finish first, or I finish in the top five. I put myself in the big money. You can't necessarily control any of these things. There's going to be a huge amount of luck that goes into it. But if you could do things to increase your chances to advance to the finals and then to have unique teams in the finals, then that would be, I think, still a much bigger advantage than having certainly some of the highest profile stacks that you would expect to be at least moderately duplicated in that group that's in the finals. So if you have players where you believe that the stacks or the correlations are not being bid up, because they're so fun to play or they're so i won't say obvious but they're plays that seem like very good plays and therefore you're having the adps actually creep up and then the value that you're getting on the player in the first place when you're looking at the original advance becomes a lot worse i think the detroit chicago one is kind of a fun one because i think you're still going to get good prices on those players i think that the concerns about Debo Samuel put him in a situation where you can still get him. And then at this point, you can still get Trey Lance. I don't know if that's going to be the case later on. And my one of my biggest hopes for the 2022 offseason is that Lance continues to kind of be in this range where we don't know what he's going to be. And then you can get him in a lot of leagues. And if he plays well, then you win those leagues. And in the, if he plays poorly, then all the leagues you don't have, you know, you're, you're more focusing on the, If he plays extremely well and it becomes very clear that he's going to be the starter and have a huge number of rushing attempts and his price pushes up a couple rounds, then again, we're in a situation where it's going to be hard to outperform that. You're up into that range where there are other good quarterback options and the opportunity cost just becomes a lot more significant. A similar type of thing with Justin Fields. We had some report come out uh, within the last 48 hours talking about how his mechanics had improved his release was quicker and will those things actually play out on the nfl field in in a similar way to kind of best shape of his life some of the things like that i mean they, they're, they're difficult right it's one of the reasons why when you look at collegiate production that production translates because it's just very difficult to make a player something completely different at the nfl layer it's not to say that that doesn't happen but we want to just you know make sure we keep an appropriate amount of skepticism in the back of our head about that but if you can mix in some of these plays without damaging the rest of your team from a value perspective then it does give you some chances to then have a unique and high upside type of play when we think back to our situation last year with our team and how we had joe burrow and we almost overcame some joe burrow and jamar chase teams then you know passing one of them not quite passing connor's team listeners will be familiar with that but the other kind of big move there is that we had Devonte adams and aaron Rodgers, and we made that selection because both players in a vacuum were at an ADP that we really liked. That paid off for us because then not that long after that, Aaron Rodgers becomes you know more 
open about the fact that he actually is going to play for the Green Bay Packers. So you want to take advantage of some of those opportunities throughout the course of the offseason. If you've read Michael Duner's fantastic work, you know that there are better times to draft and sometimes that are not as strong, but there are going to be times throughout the course of the offseason where you can take advantage of different individual bubbles. So when you are drafting, you want to take advantage of those. One of the things that is important to note there is that Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams had that massive game in week 17, but Aaron Rodgers was not even the quarterback that we used because we had Joe Burrow. At the same time, the Adams-Rodgers combination did help us earlier on because we had to advance through three rounds just to get to the finals. And so there are going to be different times and places where that might come into play. If you can get some potentially less expensive week 16 stacks to get you into the finals, where then you can you know, really unleash the full power of this elite team that you've drafted. Because if you're in the finals of this underdog tournament, your team is going to be very, very good, right? You can unleash that if you make it. And so maybe target some of these stacks and correlations that aren't being played to the point where number one, they are going to have some duplications and number two, they're driving up ADP. Yeah, no, definitely agree with that. Some very interesting uh, takes and insights around that and even taking it back to our teams last year um, makes a huge amount of sense. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed that because I know there's a lot of people messaging in that they are drafting these tournaments and hopefully that advice will help them. Speaking of drafting and not just in tournaments, but I did mention at the end of, I think it was last Saturday's show, about doing some listener leagues we've got a lot of interest sean let me just i haven't told sean this but there's a lot of interest it looks like we're going to have quite a few leagues this year but if you are interested in drafting against myself and sean we'll be doing some of those drafts over at the ffpc and let me know you can send it my way on twitter at overtime ireland or you can send an email to rotavisradio at gmail.com we'll be getting some of those leagues set up over the coming weeks looking forward to doing some of those so let us know they will be the 35 dollar ffpc leagues as always if you want to sign up for a rotoviz membership you can go over and sign up get a subscription it is one of the best pieces of uh, fantasy football i guess we'll say equipment but information to arm you for those drafts you'll get all the tools all the articles including what we talked about on today's show and you can use the code rv radio 2022 at checkout to save yourself 10 percent as a loyal podcast listener that is going to wrap us up for today's show. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until we're back on Thursday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.